Hi there, I'm Mr. Foodie. I'm here to congratulate the lucky winner. By the way, who is it? This man cut in front of me and bought gum. <laughs> All right, Foodie. Now, what are you going to do here? Well, there's only one fair way. Give us both prizes? <laughs> no, I'm at fair for foodies. <laughs> no, we'll let you compete for the millions customer prize. Yes, you'll both be in the shopping spree. And whoever comes up with $1,000 worth of groceries first gets to keep them. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. We are back for part two at Foodies, the place with food. And love. My name is Al. I frittered away my money on cheap women, booze, and donuts. <laughs> I'm Jamie. Keep the biting to a minimum. Tomorrow's a school day. Hmm. And I'm Dan. Opie was Ron Howard, you little fool. <laughs> we are reviewing You Better Shop Around Part 2. When the Bundys are evicted from their temporary residence at the supermarket... Al inadvertently becomes their one millionth customer, and it's a battle between the Bundys and Darcy's for the grand prize. Season 5, episode 22, original air date April 21st, 1991, director Linda Day, writers Stacy Lip. So Stacy Lip wrote the second half, and those other people wrote the first half. Hmm. I might know why, though, they might split it up like that, because I'm sure it was filmed at the same time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because they built that set, the supermarket set, and they, yeah. it's, they, they, if you ever notice, when the Bundys have two-parters and they go places, it's always so much better because they know that they could spend more money because they, they divide it among two episodes. Exactly, and that, that's what they probably did with the writers as well. Like, it makes sense to us. Like, well, why, why wouldn't you have the same writers as, uh, for both episodes? But it's probably one of those situations where it's like they're pressed for time and it's all hands on deck. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So. All the same guest stars. <clears throat> a couple new ones, but Bruce Jarchow, Bobby Brown comes back, thank God. Uh, Brent Corman is boy. Jody Mann is the cashier. Mr. Foodie, though, his name is Alan Oppenheimer. Jerry Mathers plays himself in this episode, and we'll get into him as little as we possibly can and move on. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and one interesting fact about John Asher, who played Bobby, the kid who uh, arrested Miss Gillis and everything, in the first half of this review that aired last week. Remember he went on to do, like, the weird science TV show and everything? Well, he was married to Jenny McCarthy. And you can't help think that would have been so hot if uh, she was on this show and maybe she could have had a pillow fight with Pamela Anderson in that (laughs) episode where Kelly was sick and stuff. I mean, hell, I would have taken Bobby Brown, this chick uh, in this episode, (laughs) the blonde who we're about to get to. But uh, if these two episodes aren't enough of Bobby Brown for you, check out Warren's Cherry Pie video. 
because she's she's in there, man, and she's looking all sleazy and dirty. It's pretty hot, actually. Last week on Married with Children, a heat wave gripped Chicago. But after Alice Poole mysteriously sprung a leak, he decided to do what any responsible husband and father would do. He moved his family into the supermarket. At first, life was good there. Well, thank you, cheese lady. Then life was bad. Buy something or you'll be moving into the county jail. So Al bought something and became the millionth customer, winning a free shopping spree. However, Marcy disagrees. Hey, I was the next in line. What are you complaining about? You still are. (laughs) It all gets settled tonight on Married with Children. You know, everyone's still cheering from the last episode. You just heard the recap. And everyone's still celebrating. Marcy's still disgruntled. And Al buries his head into the blonde babe's chest. (laughs) It's incredible, Peg. I can hear it from here. Sir, your ear hair is sticking me. (laughs) Al really pushes pushes the limit here. And it's funny, on IMDb, like, uh, this episode comes with photos, because most don't. And that's the picture, Al doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And her saying your ear hair is sticking me, I mean, that's just so reminiscent of what went down with that weenie tots hot chick. Al can just not catch a break from the hot chicks lately. That man cut in front of me. I should have been the millionth customer. Bundy, did you cut in front of this woman? What woman? (laughs) Oh, you know it was me, you gaggle of pirates. Now, I have stood mutely by for five years and watched you steal my paper, siphon my gas, loiter in my bushes doing God knows what. But I will not permit this. This is my $1,000 shopping spree, and I will have my shopping spree if I have to carry my groceries home in your skulls. You want me to clock her one, Daddy? What do you guys think of that? Like, Kelly was straight up willing to punch Marcy right in the face. For, for that kind of money? You know? Oh, yeah. And that amount of food, rather. Yeah. Right. $1,000 shopping spree. Yeah, she would have knocked her right out. Bud tries to seduce Marcy to get her mind off this whole matter and just move on so they get their prize. (laughs) Not the first time. (laughs) Yeah, it's not the first time. We've seen Bud have an interest in Marcy uh, a couple (laughs) times now. Yep. Let me handle this. You know what you need to take your mind off this babe? (laughs) A nice, cool butt. (laughs) And uh, keep the biting to a minimum. (laughs) It's a school night. Now they walk off screen as if this will actually go down. And then all of a sudden you hear this big bang, a scream... And the look on the Bundy's face while they're watching all this says it all. And uh, apparently Bud was slammed into a carriage. And that's the end of him for a little bit. Mr. Foodie is there. He's congratulating the winners. Hi there, I'm Mr. Foodie. I'm here to congratulate the lucky winner. By the way, who is it? Me! Me. What a lovely couple. (laughs) 
I'm not married to this thing. I'm married to that thing. Wait a second. Aren't you Al Bundy? Did you let this man pay with a check? Uh, the only thing wrong with my checks is they're post-dated, like your milk. This man cut in front of me and bought gum. Now, I have been a faithful customer of this store for many years. My checks are always good. I have a preferred customer card, and I know the foodies jingle by heart. Foodies, we're a store with food and, and heart. heart. <laughs> uh, which is horrible, horrible jingle, by the way. Have you ever heard such a horrible jingle? No, that was bad. Yeah. Well, you know, that only proves that you two have little rhythm and no lives. We, on the other hand, have a receipt and no lives. <laughs> besides, we live here. Hush, pumpkin. Now, now go wheel your brother to the car. <laughs> Great. So good. That's amazing. Besides, we live here. <laughs> All right, foodie. Now, what are you going to do here? Well, there's only one fair way. Give us both prizes? <laughs> no, I'm at fair for foodies. <laughs> no, we'll let you compete for the millions customer prize. Yes, you'll both be in the shopping spree. And whoever comes up with $1,000 worth of groceries first gets to keep them. Well, what does the loser get? Gets to congratulate the winner. <laughs> So now we're back into the Bundy's house. What if we really do win that $1,000 with the groceries? Then what do we do? Well, Peg, I saw in 60 Minutes last week where some people found with food actually cook it up and eat it. <laughs> I've never seen Morley so shaken. So I was right. I'm not the winner in this at all. You get all the food and the glory. And I just get endless hours standing in front of the big hot thing. <laughs> No, Peg, that's the stove. You're the big hot thing. Yeah, what is the point of the bunnies getting all this food? Because nobody cooks it in that house. Right. I feel like they would, though. Like, I would go for the meats, obviously, you know? Yeah, but then you have to put them all in that little freezer. Dude, it's the it's the bunnies, though. They just sell it. Right, but why would they... S- yeah, I know. And they, even them saying that they'll sell food in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Who's going to buy it, though? Would you buy food from, like, a person's house? Absolutely not. Have not you ever money. seen those guys driving around with pickup trucks of meat? Yep. No. I don't buy from them either. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So once you realize that Peg's going to be like that, I would really start mapping out, well, what could I buy that doesn't necessarily need to be cooked? But the biggest thing I'd get, which Al eventually does get to is once you hear that, she's going to have a hard time cooking and all sorts of stuff. Just load up on the booze, man. Right? Right. Right. You see when Al kept taking all of them at that one point? He carried a lot of beer. That was – I've tried that. That's hard to do. Well, the thing is he didn't care if he dropped it though. That's why, you know, because it doesn't matter. <laughs> True. They probably weren't full either. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, I'll tell you what. If we win this contest – I get six hot meals. Then we sell the rest of the food. We get an air conditioner. Really, Al? You mean it? We get an air conditioner? Six meals, Peg. One. Four. One. Three. One. Two. One. Done! <laughs> and Al celebrates like he just got, got over on Peg. 
He's about as good at negotiating cooked meals as he was at buying that new car in the episode where Peg stole $5,000 from him when she dug it up in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. Marcy and Jefferson are exercising. Peg's idea of a push-up is the popsicle. Uh, what would you guys do in preparation for this contest? Anything or absolutely nothing except for mapping out where you want to go? Like I'd go to the supermarket and just take note of what aisles, what to get, you know, things like that. It's it's literally that simple. If you, if if that's what the game is, like you have to be the first one to a thousand dollars, right? Yeah, that's that's the only thing that you got to do, and that's pretty easy. So yeah, you scout the store, you find the most expensive items that you want, and right, and also as you notice, they're grabbing multiple, um, uh, they're they're grabbing several items of the same thing, right. They're grabbing several of them or whatever. So there's clearly no limit on that, too. So, yeah, you find the most expensive thing in the store. You just go to that. It probably wouldn't have even taken a full cart. <laughs> like, with, with like you said, with booze, yeah. Like, you just take a bunch of bottles, a bunch of beer, blah, 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 blah. You're out of there. A thousand bucks is easy. Right. Even in 91. Right. I would just put, like, five carriages of beer, like, send those over first, and then I'll see what we have left, and I'll start going to the food. Because right. Peg's not going to cook it anyway. So then you start buying dry food or whatever, canned food that you could just heat up yourself in a you know pan, mm-hmm. <laughs> like soup or whatever. Yep. If you haven't ever believed anything I've ever told you. And we haven't. <laughs> believe this. We will win this contest. <laughs> we will win. We will win big. We will win in the Bundy tradition. We will cheat our heinies up. <laughs> now, can I get a wool bundy? Wool bundy! And that's the wool bundy we use for our intro for this podcast since day one and always will. <clears throat> so we're back in the supermarket. The hot blonde is back. All right, man. You see that green top she was wearing? <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's she's back. Um, she must spend a lot of time in that store. Yeah, like what what would compel her to go back there? That made no sense, to be honest with you. She seems like she'd have a lot going on in her life, you know? <laughs> right. Look, Marcy, best cart in the lot. The foodies cart stunk, but I got this baby from a bag lady across the street. <laughs> they always have the best stuff. You excite me like no man I've ever met. No mercy to the Bundys. No mercy. <laughs> Let's see him top this baby. <laughs> um, the Bundy shopping cart looks like an old muscle car with <laughs> knives on it. That's Peg, you know her. Not that, Pillsbury shoe boy. He had so many gadgets on there that came completely into play. Uh, The best one was the first thing when they sprayed the grease on the floor and they couldn't even start the the thing. It's so cartoonish. Oh, yeah. This thing you're pushing, this is not a regulation cart. Au contraire, buzz cut. <laughs> I found it right outside, didn't I, family? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Foodie, a rolling, please. 
Foodie is wondering if this should be like nobody's talking about the knives. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, the thing is racket peanut steering and they think it's from his supermarket. <laughs> oh my god but he likes it because it says we love foodies on the side right yeah that was the selling point point. and then he's gonna bust marcy's balls because her carriage doesn't rattle when she pushes it by the way when the guy took the picture in the back of it too yeah when he took the picture of the car the guy was standing right in front of it oh yeah <laughs> yeah but i'm not sure that this card is one of mine well yeah doesn't wobble. Hmm. Get these people a regulation foodies card. <laughs> All right, contestants, places, please. Dad, where'd you get this cart? Made it myself in the garage from parts of the lawnmower on the side of the house and your mother's car. <laughs> See, it's aerodynamic. Got your front and rear sway bars, rack and pinion steering, and genuine Ginzu spiked attitude adjusters on the hood. It's also got some uh, anti-personnel device or two. You can do all this, and yet you can't get a better job than shoe salesman? I think a little research would show that most of your great implements of death are the result of zombie-out daydreams of shoe salesmen. <laughs> When Peg says this, too, after she sees Al's cart, she says, you could do all this, but you can't get a better job than a shoe salesman. I swear to God, I was thinking the same thing after I was looking at everything he said he put on this thing. Right. Right. That's what didn't make sense to me, too. It's like, the, uh, okay, like all of a sudden you're MacGyver. <laughs> well, now it's time to announce the celebrity host of the foodie's millionth customer competition. Well, you loved him as the beaver. And uh, now I just see you uh, as the new beaver. So let's give a nice warm foodies welcome to Jerry Mathers. Thank you very much. You're very kind. I uh, think our agreement called for cash in advance. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's certainly a pleasure to be here at Foodies, the store with great food and super low prices. Oh, merciful heavens, won't somebody please shoot me? Somebody please just put a bullet to the old bee's head. Why? How did you get him so fast? Because there, were you just going to have him host just Marcy running around by herself doing this? And he needs to host that? Would anybody even look at them? Like, there's nothing to really look at unless it's a competition, right? Otherwise, you're virtually just watching somebody shopping and getting $1,000 worth of food. And that was my whole thing. Like, what was the setup before there was a dispute? Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like what did they have planned? It doesn't matter. Like, it seemed like it was on the fly. But it's in at the same note, like, they did kind of play up this uh, this guy's washed-up life at this point. Oh, my God. So, and that was the whole shtick, right? So I, I think having him on hand, like I'm sure he was just waiting, standing by. For anything, right? For anything, exactly. Like, he really is a great sport, man. Holy crap. Oh, Al, look at him. 
He's brought so much pleasure to so many. Can't you give him a job at the shoe store? <laughs> yeah, that's all I need, Peg. Work all day with a beaver and come home to you. And that's why I like this. Any other, like, um, reference? Like, okay, here, from my perspective, right? Okay, so I'm 33. That means really nothing to me. Like, okay, yeah, I get it. It's it's the beef, whatever. To me, that just doesn't really mean anything. I understand to a lot of people that's like, oh, that's that's a cool cameo or whatever. But I don't think that that in itself would have been enough, um, especially on a show like this and during the time. But except for the fact that he did come in and and play a version of himself which was pretty hilarious like yeah i am washed up and i like that aspect of it i like that they did something different with it as opposed to like here's our special guest host right you know i mean you know what i mean like our guest star so i i actually really like that aspect of it i thought it was pretty funny all right well let's get into these guys now mr foodie alan oppenheimer okay so check this out dan you're not you're gonna be amazed by it. i know jamie's not gonna be into this but you will this guy, Mr. Foodie, is the voice of Skeletor and Man-at-Arms and Cringer in He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Why would I not be interested in that? I have the entire box set of He-Man. You do? Yes. You don't just have boxes of Barbies? No. <laughs> I did that joke already a couple episodes ago. Wow, yeah. So that's who this – got to look at this guy's IMDb. We'll be here all night with this if I get into it. Wow, really? Yeah. Now, is he just a voice actor kind of thing or – No, but he does do voices like a lot. He's known – he even came back in 2016 to do Skeletor's voice in He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, The Curse of the Three Terrors. Wow, that's cool. Could you imagine this? His voice is so over the top, too. You just never know who you're really looking at. That's why it's so important to do our show, because it's like, you just watch these things and it's nothing. That is cool. That is definitely cool. I, I still have my, um, my what, what was it, the Kingdom of Grayskull? Oh, yeah. The, the, the Ca Castle Grayskull? Yeah. Yes. Yep. He was in the Smurfs TV show as Vanity Smurf, Hom Hominibus. And Father Time. And then he was in Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers as Plato, Adrian Clordine. He was in the Yogi Bear show as voices. He was a dude. This guy must have so much money. Wow. Who would have That's thought? That's awesome. Yeah. You, and you just mentioned so many shows, too, that get played in syndication. That's so what I'm saying, right. yeah. <laughs> and he probably even gets paid for this when it runs in syndication. Right. Now, Jerry Mathers, of course, he's Beaver from Leave it to Beaver. Now, this was 1991. The new Leave it to Beaver happened from 83 to 89. 101 episodes. People actually watch this. Wow. They watched the new Leave it to Beaver. I did. How old was he at this point? Uh, he had to be in his 30s, I would uh late 30s. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Yep, he's like 35 looking. Yeah. He's done a, a bit more than just Leave it to Beaver. Uh, so he's known for The Trouble with Harry in 1955, Leave it to Beaver, The Love Boat, and a movie That Certain Feeling. Uh, but yeah, like I said, he's a good sport, man, because 
he gets ripped here. <laughs> and uh, now for the rules. Whoever gets $1,000 worth of food first gets to keep it. Which, by the way, is more than I'm getting for this gig. Can it be true? Can Magic Game PM not use another celebrity? Am I truly lower than Charles Nelson Riley? Who is this blubbering mess? I think he was Opie. Opie was Ron Howard, you little fool. I was? No. I am the beaver! Thank you, See, I thought the show was still going on at that point, and they were sort of halfway promoting it mm-hmm. by saying I still am, but it was already done by then. I watched the crap out of it. I did. But so it was I horrible. did. <laughs> okay, as far as, like, production value, think Small Wonder. Oh, oh God. Okay. So, and probably joke level two. It was very cheesy when it started. I was what, like eleven? I was. I oh, okay. grew up. I grew up watching Leave It to Beaver, so it had like that whole nostalgia thing. Right. I mean, yeah, but but it wasn't very good. No. Right. Yeah. Well, we figured as much. <laughs> yeah, it, it was after that. So the he has a chair that like a director's chair that he sits in. And it says Gary Coleman with an X through it. <laughs> oh, poor Gary Coleman. Gary Coleman was, of course, the kid from Different Strokes, right? <laughs> I wasn't even like I wasn't even like sad because he died. I was just thinking about when he was a security guard jumping on the car. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you felt sorry for him when he was alive, <laughs> right? <laughs> Throughout the episode, everyone mistakes Jerry Mathers as Opie from the Indy Griffith show and he eventually points out that Ron Howard played Opie I mean didn't he point that out the first time it wasn't eventually it was when Bud said I thought he was Opie and then he's like Opie was Ron Howard you fool Fool. right yeah and then later later on people keep calling him Opie but yeah the kid says it yeah huh I guess that the two famous kids at that time is Opie and and uh, Beaver. So I wonder if the Andy Griff the show was bigger than Leave It to Beaver. I would I would say yes. yes. Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Hmm. You could take two paths in life. You could be Ron Howard or you could be Jerry Mathers. And, and I feel like too this is a prime example of I don't think it was because Ron Howard was Opie. Do you know what I'm saying? Or like? No, no, no. I, you're right. I mean, do you see he, what I'm saying? No, it's because he was Richie. <laughs> as an, yeah, his career as that right. right. I mean, that's true because he went from Opie to be like he was one iconic TV right. character. Right. He then went on to become another iconic TV character as Richie. Then yeah. he went on to go in a completely different direction and become not just a director but an iconic director. Exactly. So, I mean, he has excelled at everything he's done, right. except growing hair. <laughs> <laughs> or I, keeping it, rather. He excelled at losing it. <laughs> no, it's just, it, it, it's interesting to see, though, and, and just, like you said, like, that was just choices that he made, and I don't think it was attributed to anything like this, because look at a lot of these people who aren't doing anything, you know? And and even him just being on their show, making fun of himself because of that, you know? Um, it's just cool to see, like, 
how people take different paths. And now, dude, you should see how I'm going to milk this whole uh, host of the Marrow Children podcast thing in about seven years. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I'm going to op- present car lot sales. I'm going to be doing um, mattress liquidation sales and stuff. I'm going to be cutting ribbons and things like that. It's going to be a big thing. Nice. I'm going to be at shoe stores. Yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys that I dated a shoe salesman around this time? What? Oh, my God. What do you mean? That my boyfriend at the time was a shoe salesman. Wow. Don't you think that that's pretty pretty big considering the show that we do, Jamie? Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think (laughs) about that. For whatever reason, I thought about it today when I was watching the episode. Oh, because Jerry Mathers, when he insults him, he says, at least my dad's not a shoe salesman. Oh, right. (laughs) Or doesn't sell – at least my dad doesn't doesn't sell women's shoes. Yeah. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it hit me. Oh, my God. Jeffrey sold women's shoes. That's what he did. Uh, Yeah. Worked at Kenny. (laughs) Kenny. Remember Kenny? It was attached to Foot Locker for a while. Yeah. (laughs) I've <laughs> never heard of them. They before. got rid of them quick. He sold women's shoes at Kenny Shoes. Jesus. That's almost as embarrassing as selling men's shoes. <laughs> I like how they throw in it's women's shoes. Like, that's the lower form of that. Now, uh, Jamie, something was strange about Jefferson's uh, shopping cart, right? The one that he got from the bag lady? No, the <laughs> one he got from Mr. Foodie. Oh, the wobbly one? Yeah. Jefferson is forced to use a regulation shopping cart in the contest. The first time he uses it, Jefferson blatantly rocks it back and forth to make it look like it's wobbly. In later shots, the cart rolls smoothly. That's weird how they don't really keep that joke going. But I guess it's like it's only that's real TV humor, though. Like, that's the joke now. It's funny. And we're moving on, (laughs) you know? Like, we're not going to have him try to wobble this thing when there's 50,000 pounds of groceries in it. So, that's, uh, I can accept that. Sign this, Obi. It's Jerry, and it'll be two bucks. Uh, well, what I think, uh, I think Mr. Mathers means is, uh, contestants, uh, wish each other good luck. Drop dead. Lick feet. Eat dust. Grow hair. <laughs> On your mark. Get set. <laughs> Go. <laughs> Jefferson throws a can at the back of Al's head, knocks him out. Bud and Kelly heckle the crap out of the beaver. Uh, listen, could you settle a bet between me and my sister? Now she says you frittered away all your money on booze and cheap women. <laughs> I say donuts and cheap booze. <laughs> Give me a quarter. Just go away. Now, why do Jefferson and Marcy get so much Italian bread? They have like 50 loaves of bread at each that they're carrying and slamming into the carriage. And that's not that expensive, is it? Right. And what's the point? It's going to be stale in like four days. Like, what are they doing? Right. See, here's the thing. Yes, you do pick expensive stuff, but you have to pick stuff you actually want, though. You don't just, like, win and then go around and really pick out what you want, right? Whatever you pick, you keep. So I I, I don't understand with the bread. Hey, what's with all the bread here? <laughs> Attention, contestants. Our first totals are in. The Bundys, $210. The Darcys, 270 <laughs> 
eat hot grocery death. <laughs> so this is the second time she says eat hot death in this two-part. The first time is when Al said, can I cut you to buy the gum? She says eat hot death. And now again, she says eat hot grocery death. And now the most even more bizarre part of that is that there were two different writers for this. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess maybe that chick, Lisa Lip or Stacy Lip, looked at the old script of the first half and then just like did something like a tie-in. Mm-hmm. Well, honey, we're losing. And you're a pro at that. Do something. Stay calm. See, we've been paying too much attention to what Marcy and Jefferson have been doing. From now on, we play with our heads instead of our hearts. Come on. Okay. Hut. Hut. Come on, Marcy. Hut. Jefferson. Go. Al punches Jefferson out with a boxing glove that flies out of the cart. Like, where was that the whole time? <laughs> yeah, and again, pretty sophisticated for Al Bundy if you don't, <laughs> you know. I couldn't rig one of those up. Yeah. I love when it knocks him into the cereal and he's like, he's sprawled out on the ground. And that was funny too when Al just like taps his thing and it shoots a, a, a arrow out at the melon. <laughs> he said, there goes my tiebreaker. <laughs> you can see the arrow stuck in it later. <laughs> yeah, when Jefferson, he goes and buys that one. Why would you buy a melon with an arrow in it? <laughs> it's so stupid. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, here's 50 cents. It's all I have. Just please, leave me alone. <laughs> Just one last question. If, if all the autograph hounds can stay back for a second. <laughs> Did you ever think of teaming up with the Eddie Munster kid for the thoroughly pathetic tour in 91? Oh, harsh. Isn't that crazy? Harsh, yeah. <laughs> and the weird thing is that these were all half-truths. Right. That's what makes it harsh. Yeah, and he wasn't um, part of the show, too. It's one thing if you're on it, but to take a jab like that, it's like, ooh, you know? Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Also, too, I want to say when, when he knocks Jefferson down. Him and Marcy fall down together, you know? Right. Oh, yeah, because then, oh, she was helping him. Then uh, Peg kicks her and she <laughs> Right? Yeah, that scene, yeah, that scene is so funny, just like how it goes down. Like, like literally kicks her when, when she's down. Like, it's just so funny. But, like, on top of that, too, if you watch when he's when he's go, pulling the, uh, pushing the cart away, he literally just runs over Jefferson's foot. Right, I and saw to, that. And he has to pull it away. Right. So they really got ran over. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> that was great. And what's with those like sequin jumpsuits they're wearing? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Reminded me of Supermarket Sweep. Yes. Supermarket Sweep. The game show. Jamie, isn't this whole thing like a parody? Oh, yeah. I actually wondered several times while I was watching the episode if they used the set from Supermarket Suite because it looked very similar. I still watch that show today. It is on syndication on Buzzer, uh, um, the game the game show TV network. And Dan thought the return to Leave it to Beaver had to be good for Jamie to watch it. <laughs> hey, it's a fun show. I love Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, so what are we, like 35 minutes into this review? Yeah, about 35 minutes. All right, I'm going to take an early break because I need 
to rest up before we get into this big grand finale of shopping spree. I want to be ready for that. So we're going to kick it back to the last episode. Um, You know, Matt Thompson wanted to send in his clip telling us what he thought of the episode. So I wanted that to play during the first one, during our break. So this time, the DJ is going to play the song that Al was singing in the pool in... You Better Shop Around Part 1, Mac the Knife by Bobby Darren. We'll hear about a minute of that, and then we'll come back and get to the big, big ending. It's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. The shark bait has such teeth there, and it shows them pearly white. Just a jackknife has old Maggie Heat, babe, and it keeps it uh, out of sight. You know when that shark bites with his teeth, babe. Scarlet billows start to spread Fancy gloves, though, where's old Maggie Heath, babe? So there's never, never a trace of red Now on the sidewalk, uh-huh, ooh, sunny morning, uh-huh Lies a body just oozing life and someone sneaking round a corner Could that someone be Mac the Knife? So these blue outfits Jefferson and Marcy are wearing are so popular that recently Classic TV Toys came out with a Married with Children line. It's like world's greatest classic TV characters from the 80s and 90s. You can find it at uh, www.classictvtoys.com, Figures Toy Company, I guess they're called. So these outfits, these blue outfits they're wearing are so popular that you can actually get Jefferson and Marcy in those outfits. Like Al's wearing his regular, you know, tan coat, uh, regular clothes. Bud's wearing like a green hoodie. Kelly's wearing, like, a pink uh, outfit. I think she's wearing the thing that Dad calls the belt. And Peg's wearing, you know, the typical leopard print and stuff like that. And these two are wearing this episode's outfit that they're, you know, wearing during this shopping spree. So that's how big this is. It's actually that iconic. Let's get this over with once and for all. I may have to earn a pathetic living by donning the cap of the beaver and appearing at supermarkets. But at least my father doesn't sell women's shoes. (laughs) Golly, that felt good. And it's like, checkmate. Peg's in the tang aisle. You guys notice that? I did, and she picks up a tang. Mm Mm-hmm. We need some tangwiches, man. <laughs> so this is where Al gets all the beer. He's loading up on tons of beer. Uh, and like Dan said, did a great job of uh, holding all that at one yeah. time. 
been there, it's it's not as easy as he made it look. Yeah, and why not just like load them all into the carriage one by one? Why do you? What are you going to carry them all the way to the register? <laughs> right. Oh, also too, I, I did like uh, Al's attire that he showed up in. Funny you say that. This is the first time Al Bundy ever wears his Polk High number 33 jersey. If you remember in the fantasy where Peggy turns 300, where she bowls a 300, he has the fantasy of being interviewed by the sports newscaster and he's wearing a jersey that says 51 on it. And in the two episodes from now, in Route 666 Part 2, he's wearing a jersey that says 12 on it. So they, even though he has 33 in this episode, they really didn't settle on that yet, believe it or not. But yeah, this is the first episode where he wears the Al Bundy 33 Polk High jersey. I don't know, but I was like, I, I, I got super amped for it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Because he, he, here's why. Remember I said last time it, it incorporated all the classic uh, uh, components that you need for married with children? Right. Because of Al always talking about his football career, the fact that like he wore it to that was just great. Like I just loved seeing him show up like that. That's great. I love when Al wears that. I like that. That's like his um... – that's how he gets into competition mode or whatever you want to call it, you know, putting that it's on. It's battle he's, armor. Yeah, it's battle armor. Exactly. It's great. Right. It's perfect. Classic moment. So Al and Jefferson fight over douche. <laughs> Did you ever get shot in the eyes with summer rain? <laughs> it stings, right? Because isn't douche like vinegar? Don't you shoot vinegar? Is that what that is? I, I don't know, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know either. I figured Jamie would know. Wait, what now? He ought to take some home and spray it in his own eyes before he gets in bed with us. See, oh! 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 Al, Al, honey, come on, stop dilly-dallying. We're behind. Come on, let's go. Jefferson, Bonanza, important water. Oh, my God, my contact. I've lost my contact. <laughs> You know, the problem with you, Al, is you're just playing too much with Jefferson and Marcy to pay attention to what you're doing. I guess I'll just have to pay attention to the both of us. So Marcy loses her contact, (laughs) and Al and Peg genuinely don't even realize they're running over her with their cart. (laughs) Yeah, that was great. They film Marcy just, you know, on the ground. They cut the camera to go to Peg and Al in the same direction she was in. And they, they put something down there, like little uh, speed bumps or whatever. And they just <laughs> go over it. <laughs> and it's so great. And then they cut back, and it's Marcy with track marks. <laughs> then Jefferson does the same thing. Mm-hmm. But this time, she's laying on her back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah, no, there's a lot of um, slapstick comedy, like... Yeah, that was great. He hit her with two wheels. You can... Right. You can see she's got two sets of tire marks on her front, (laughs) uh, which means he ran smack over her. (laughs) And then she asked him for an artery clip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, an artery clip. (laughs) And I love how uh, the tires are so filthy dirty when they go over her jumpsuit, but not when they're doing anything else in the store. Like, there's not tire marks everywhere. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They hit a puddle of grease right before they went over her. (laughs) 
Beaver tries to impress this hot blonde. That's me. I was the beaver. Who? <laughs> I love when these guys try to pick up hot babes from something they did 30 years ago and we're supposed to be impressed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I talk about GPK Radio all the time and no one's impressed. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, now at this point, we get a shot of virtually the entire uh, supermarket besides like the checkout area, stuff like that. Well, that's why I was wondering if they had used the supermarket sweep set. Right. Because that right. would already be set up. Exactly. Right. Yeah, let's talk about some of the stuff that we could see. Uh, you see Pepsi, Budweiser, Mountain Dew, A&W, Michelob, Slice, Captain Crunch, Quaker Oats, Huggies, Coleman, Ready Whip, Ruffles, Shasta, Slimfast, Imperial Keystone, Johnson & Johnson, and Edge. There was even an O'Doul's in there. Right. Uh, some of these brands originally withdrew their ads for married children during the whole Terry Ricolta boycott, and <laughs> others joined after the boycott passed. Yeah. So, that's a whole thing. Um, now, there's a little discrepancy here with uh, ringing things up. When the manager of the food store checks the totals a second time, he looks at the wrong register. He looks to the register on the right for the Darcy's and the left for the Bundy's. When they emptied their carts for the first time, the Darcy's had the one on the left and the Bundy's had the one on the right. Can you imagine this? This guy I was I did all... not even notice that. <laughs> I try not to notice those kinds of things right there. <laughs> yeah, not at all. You're oblivious. <laughs> Uh, um, <laughs> we're winding down Jefferson jams like two cuts of cheese In front of the Bundy's cart Now at this point they don't have much to go Right Two families are running neck and neck The, uh, the Darcy's $990 The Bundy's $979 Ladies and gentlemen It's a horse race They have like 10 bucks or whatever Like they both if they only had one more thing It would be over already Right, right. Now they're going to lose now because they can't push the cart. <laughs> They've incapacitated the cart of death, Peg! Oh no! Now we're going to lose! Not this time, babe. Al bowls a frozen turkey at Jefferson. Jefferson's legs go straight up in the air. He's clearly on cables and a harness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, I I thought it was like a dummy or something. Like a that was so crazy. Like that was so extra. Just another example of like they're really going all up for this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's it wasn't good enough to just like act like you got hit and fall down. They could have easily done that, even, like, if they did it in slow motion. Like, they could have just shown Jefferson falling, like, ridiculously. But they, you're right. They put, him on, <laughs> they put him on a harness and just, like, lifted him so high. <laughs> that was so crazy. I did not expect that. I thought it was, like, a dummy. Like, I, right. I, I, I literally thought it was, like, like, an inflatable doll or something. Like, I was so confused. Yeah, it was some visual. <laughs> right. Now, Marcy, talk about dummies. 
Marcy, instead of just pushing her cart to the checkout and winning, after Jefferson gets knocked out like that, she instead turns to Al and growls like uh, Angela Baker at the end of Sleepaway Camp. They're going to go at it now. Al grabs a turkey and runs at Marcy like a football player. <laughs> Obviously knocks her over. I mean, he got through spare tire Dixon. Why wouldn't he get through Marcy, right? Right, exactly. So Marcy blows the whole thing. Al s- spikes the turkey. It's a $1,000. Lim- you know, he hit the limit. Uh, the manager announces it like he's happy about this. Like you would think, uh, oh, Al Bundy won, but he right. he announced it just like he announced Marcy winning. Yeah, but Peg is excited. They won. She runs over with the. I guess she got the cheese out. So now she's pushing the cart over there. Well, I married her. (laughs) We all know what's coming with the knives. Al just stands there. He doesn't even jump out of the way. I think he's just so downtrodden that he feels, this is just my life. This is my destiny. (laughs) This is my life now. And he just takes it, takes the jab, goes down. Everyone's at the dinner table in the house. They're all cooled off. Nice air conditioner. I guess they sold their food that they weren't eating. Another city on the Barbie, eh, God? It's 112, so please remember to crack the window when you leave Grandma in the car. Oh, this is the life, isn't it? Food and an air conditioner. Well, your father finally came through for us. So when's Daddy going to be able to enjoy all this? Well, I don't know. The doctor says that cool air isn't really good for an exposed liver. Mm -hmm. And Al has an exposed liver. Peg hit him with the attitude adjuster. (laughs) exactly (laughs) he did seem to have a a better attitude in that pool this time around yes Peg made him a drink Al drinks it and all the water springs out of his body because he has holes in his body guys (laughs) just like a cartoon wow who would have thought and that's why because it didn't make sense in the first episode but it makes sense now because it ties right in so seeing the tie in even if it doesn't make sense from the jump when you look at it in this ridiculous light, right? When it's coming out of him, oh, okay. Like a, a, that's where you got to take into consideration. Like Married with Children is, is, in a lot of ways, a cartoon. You know? Oh, it's becoming it, right? And will more and more. And I'm glad the pool was fixed after Peg shot a hole through it a few days ago. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. 
Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. How many turkeys are we bowling down the aisle? For this episode, you better shop around part two out of five, Jamie. Five. Again. <laughs> I give it a five. Dynamite drop in, Monty. I just, this this was a super fun two-part episode. I was, after I watched the first part, I was really excited to watch the, the uh, conclusion. And it did not let down. Nope. No, absolutely not. Super fun. Plus, being a big fan of Supermarket Sweep, as I was, and <laughs> having been a big fan of Leave it to Beaver and all of that, it just, it was, you know, it hit in all the right places. Nice. Dan, how many turkeys are you bowling down the aisle? Out of five for this episode. I got five on it. Uh, just what Jamie said, this is a great conclusion to a two-part, um, two-parter. Uh, I thought it uh, had some great callbacks to the first episode. It stood on its own in terms of like comedic value. I thought it was hilarious, uh, very slapsticky. Um, not like a ton of dialogue, you know. Like the like the first part was more dialogue and like set up all those things that we talked about uh, last week in terms of you know like Al Bundy's you know stalking and them being there because of <laughs> uh, of the heat and then how the food plays in and and Bud with the girls and all this kind of stuff and this one was just um classic slapstick like you know marcy the the darcy's against uh against the bundies and it was it was great it was just ridiculous i it was just a lot of fun and i liked the way they wrapped it up adding the dude from leave it to beaver i just thought it was a great episode and for all those reasons too i think that's why it's a classic episode as well so i am bowling five turkeys down the aisle for this one Wow, yeah, super Hall of Famer two-parter, man. Five out of five for me, too. I'm bowling five. Nice. Great physical comedy. I love the setting. Everything looked great. It was believable. I could think about the episode and see it all, you know? Right. Uh, to what they're wearing, especially what Nibbles is wearing. <laughs> Al's creepy weirdo-ness. Uh, it's one time when that's great. Well, I mean, there's many times when it's great, but this is, to me, one of the greatest of his creepier times. Yep. <laughs> it was just really well thought out, like a really well-plotted conclusion, the way they do it, the way they have all the little personal nuances of every character, and the way they were able to implement those in every aspect of this. Everything. Right. Even to Peg leaving and not being behind Al when he's throwing the food in the cart. Right. That alone... Is great. Just something simple like that. Yeah, sometimes they just nail it, like it, it, on in every turn. You know what I mean? And and with this two parter, they definitely nailed it. Yeah, it's exactly perfect. Uh, this was a great time, and I was looking forward to this since this show was conceived. So I'm really glad nice. we did this. Now the two parters are not over, guys. We're having two two parters, and then we're ending it with Buck the Stud. So. The second nice. two-parter, though, yeah, the second one, though, next week, is Route 666, Part 1. Oh, nice. No, wait, they have two two-parters back-to-back? Yeah. <laughs> I love this show. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason to it. <laughs> nope. Why spread this out when you could just do them back-to-back? Right, exactly. Hmm. When Al takes the family on a road trip to a shoe convention in California... 
the Bundys discover a golden opportunity when their car breaks down in the middle of a ghost town. Mm. And a bunch of chicks return for the second half of that two-parter, so something else to look forward to. Nice.